Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today I'm here with Mona Haydar. Hey, what's up? <laughs> really good. So your parents moved here, or moved to Michigan from Syria? Yeah, um, actually they started out in Chicago in 1972, or in 71 I think actually. And then they ended up in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, so how much of your family moved here from Syria? Just my parents. Oh, yeah, so they met back there. my mom was 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my dad had just finished school and they moved out here. For what? Um, my dad's work. Oh. Uh, there were job opportunities here. It's like, you know, brain drain. So mm-hmm. he did well in school in Syria and Damascus. And he was a doctor. And so it was like, if you did well, you had an opportunity to come to this country. Mm-hmm. And he did. How about your mom? My mom actually is amazing. She, you know, went to high school, came here. Had eight children and then went to college. Oh my gosh. Helped to found a school and still teaches at that school 20 so something crazy. years later. So. I'm getting like goosebumps while you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, she's wow. a badass. She had, you know, like eight kids and then decided to go to college when literally no one else in the community around her was doing that. And she was like, yeah, I want to learn. I want to be educated and, you know, like didn't have a lot of support from the community, but mm. she was like, this is what I want to do. And she's like been working, yeah, for 20 yeah. something years now. And do you still have strong ties with your family in Syria? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I grew up going to Syria. I'm wearing a Syrian dress right now. I love it, it's so pretty. <laughs> I just, you know, for me, it's all about being connected and staying connected to your people and, you know, making sure that your people are okay. Mm-hmm. What are your parents' personalities like? Like, who are you more similar to? Um, I'm a lot like my mom. I mean, every time she's like, you know, like, calm down, chill out, don't do this, don't do that. I'm like, it's your fault. You're the one who, like, broke the mold. and <laughs> You know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, it's her fault that I'm a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> I don't really, like, follow the rules, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, in some ways I'm a lot like her. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, I grew up swimming in the lakes in Michigan with my dad and like riding bikes with him and so I get a lot of like my outdoorsiness like I married a farmer and my, like my husband is a farmer he's into like urban agriculture food justice food sovereignty all that oh, wow. kind of stuff and like you know that's kind of my dad's fault because growing up you know we had an apple tree in the backyard like a very like cushy sort of suburban life in Flint and he had a garden in the backyard and our yard constantly looked like shit because it like he was like what's all this land for we're gonna grow food here meanwhile all the neighbors had like manicured lawns and like mm-hmm. you know we were the weird arabs on the block so <laughs> dang that is an amazing model. oh yeah wow <laughs> speaking of plants did you have identity problems growing up call them problems Mm -hmm. but I feel like yeah I was conflicted a lot Mm -hmm. you know there was always a lot going on a lot for me to like navigate and manage you know like never 
wholly human, never fully human, never seen as like, yeah, I was like a little Arab girl in Flint, Michigan. They didn't really like fit the only in. one in school. No, actually, you know, like I, I mentioned that my mother founded that helped to found the school, and so it was like, I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, I didn't fit in with the black kids in high school. I didn't fit in with the white kids. I was always other, but I also, in some ways, didn't fit in with the Muslim kids because. I don't know, I just wasn't really interested in the like typical aspirations and like what typical success looks like. Mm. So I wasn't really interested in like going to graduate school and like making, doing a job that made you six figures and like, you know, that kind of life. I just, I don't care to have like a big house and a fancy car and like I care about enjoying my life and having a good time. And for me, that doesn't really necessarily look a certain way mm -hmm. you know like so I, and I feel like that's true in a lot of immigrant communities you know where you're taught to get the very best education and make the most possible money you possibly can and send money back home and all that but I don't know I just feel like for me success looks a little bit different success looks like contentment mm. success looks like being good inside of myself and you know, like I lived off grid for three years and didn't have running water and and I would say that that's like the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. So for me, you know, like you can eat dandelion greens and you can live off of like rose hips and berries that you find in the wilderness and mushrooms and and so like at a certain level, like all of this stuff that we have I don't know, like identity is wrapped up in the stuff we have, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like my, my identity or I'm trying to make my identity wrapped up in something else. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. What were you doing in your free time when you were growing up? Yeah, I mentioned the apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was a major tomboy, shorts and like t-shirts, uh, baseball caps and... Oh, you were like really into sports? Yeah, skateboarding, rollerblading, snowboarding, um, climbing trees, falling mm -hmm. out of trees, uh, you know, bike riding through the neighborhood. Like, I was I was a major tomboy. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good time. But you liked school, right? You took it really seriously even back then. Um. No, I mean, I don't. I don't like school actually. Really? Yeah. No, <laughs> I was never like a great student. Like. I feel like I'm smart, so I can get by not doing very much, not trying very hard. But, you know, I'm just like, oh my god, this tree is incredible. Oh yeah, this is huge. Holy Looks shit. like a small plant, but like magnified. It really is, it's like a planet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really like trees. Oh, yeah. In case you can't tell. <laughs> what kind of music was played in the house? Uh, I mean, none, really, none. if I'm being honest. Wow. Yeah. I grew up in a house where, like, general music was forbidden. There was a certain kind of music that was permissible, like uh, percussion-based Arabic music that was, you know, glorifying God, kind of like gospel mm -hmm. music. Um, so that was kind of allowed, but yeah, I mean, music was kind of like a weird thing. And so for me growing up, I didn't really listen to music. Um, and it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I was like, 
I really like music and you know, I think I want to try my hand at it and like see if I can figure it out and like speak that language because it's not a language I grew up mm -hmm. learning or knowing. But you all, you didn't always wear a hijab, right? It was only when you were biking one time. Yeah, that's why <laughs> you know the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like 11 years old and I was riding my bike through uh, my neighborhood and it just kind of hit me that I was ready. I was ready to start wearing the hijab and mm -hmm. there was this it was like it was like this weird moment where I just felt like I knew you know it, it's like hard to explain I just knew I was ready mm -hmm. and I went home and I told my mom and she was like are you sure <laughs> this is like not an easy thing in this country and, and I was like yeah and then we had a big old party and it was a great Aww. time <laughs> Do your sisters also wear and does yeah. she wear? Yeah. Oh, so it's kind of like everyone in your family wears. You weren't like yeah. the only one who was like, okay. No, no, it was all of us. You know, but like I had an aunt who didn't. Mm. I had like a bunch of my cousins didn't. And so it wasn't like everybody. But it was definitely like a choice I made, you know, a conscious decision. And I feel like if I had said I don't want to wear it, my family would have been okay. Oh, wow. Like nobody would have been like, oh, you're never allowed to leave the house or like, Whatever the stereotype is, you know, it would have been okay. Mm -hmm. like, Do you feel like a drastic change after you wore it, like mentally and also how people look towards you? You know, hijab is a really funny thing. In some ways, I feel like I was I decided to wear hijab because I could see the the world and and specifically men in the world starting to like objectify my body mm. and like see me and perceive me as a sexual being and object and it was a way where I was like no like I get to decide that for myself I mm -hmm. get to be um, like I get to decide the parameters of my sexuality and who can like look at me and decide like how sexy I am or not you know and so a few things happened in my childhood where I just felt like I was ready to like put up the boundaries and to say um, like this is for me you know like my sexuality is is a power that I wield that I get to say and decide for myself um, and it's not just like for every dude in the world to just like, yeah. be able to you know dice and slice and decide for me about my body and like have access to it and like be be, be permitted to see it and, and whatever, anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. It's a lot. <laughs> so what happened after you graduated high school? Did you go straight to the University of Michigan? Yeah, actually, I really wanted to go overseas to go to Damascus, Syria, and my mom was like, no. There, you know, like I mentioned before, there's in the immigrant community, like a real emphasis on like elevating your status in some ways and like educating yourself and, um, you know, like, as they might say, like, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever, mm -hmm. given that you have any boots, right? But the whole thing is that I wanted to go overseas and study in Syria, and my mom was like, no, you got to go to college first. And so I went to college. <laughs> I finished in three years, and, um, and then I moved to Syria, and mm -hmm. it was great. What did you it. study again? I studied English at the University of Michigan at Flint, and then... Um, I went to Damascus, Syria, and I studied Islamic studies and Arabic, and then I traveled for a little bit, and then I went and lived off-grid in northern New Mexico, yeah. and yeah. 
Why did you want to study English? Because um, it was like the easiest way I could get my degree and the fastest. Oh, did you actually like it a lot though? No. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I like learning. I love the process of learning and knowledge, but I hate, um, like, I, I'm not a fan of, like, rules and, like, somebody telling me that I have to do this in order to do this next thing. You know, I kind of just, like... I, I like things out of order mm -hmm. <laughs> in some ways. This green is really pretty. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. What kind of career did you think you would have at that point? Um, so I've been doing poetry for 15 years. So I always, like, I've always been an artist. I've always done art. I've always done poetry. So, you know, like doing music isn't a huge divergement from that. Also, um, like when you were in college, you already thinking, were you already putting out music? No, no, I was putting out poems. I was performing oh. my poetry and making a living doing it. I published oh. a book when I was 18 years old. And oh, wow. um, yeah, you know. And were your poems back then kind of the same topics that you are in early race now? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's all related to identity and like, and uh, relationships and God and spirit and, um, you know, the earth, everything, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you first started, um, like, reading out your poetry or writing that, did you feel that you were sharing such a vulnerable side of yourself? You know, the first time I ever performed my work, um, I failed. I failed miserably. Um, I got up to the mic and nothing came out of my mouth. And uh, it just struck me what power it was to have like a microphone in front of your face and just to have like people's attention mm -hmm. and I think that really shook me and startled me as a young as a young person like what is like who am I to speak to all these people and I just froze and nothing came out of my mouth and thankfully I had really supportive and beautiful friends who were like no you need to try this again and so wow this is really pretty too yeah. <laughs> dang LA <laughs> it's done <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, and so, like, I just, I tried again, and, you know, I realized that, like, vulnerability is power, and uh, so I kind of fell in love with spoken word and poetry and, like, the fact that you can speak your heart and say things that don't necessarily make sense, like, rationally, but, like, that people can feel it, you know? They can feel what you mean or what you're intending, um, because poetry is like very subtle. It's not like an obvious thing, you know? You're speaking, it's almost like poetry is like you're speaking a vibe, you know? You're articulating a vibe in some way and like whether or not people pick it up, it's like if they're on the right vibe, like if they're on the right wave, like they'll pick it up if it's meant for them, you know? Um, so it's like trying to articulate something vibey something that's not like physical material mm -hmm. so it's like a feeling yeah <laughs> it's like a feeling it's hard to like talk about your feelings in some ways did your parents already like all this poetry that you were doing back then um they were like okay with it mm -hmm. you know like nobody in my family is like so supportive of what i do um but nobody is like <laughs> actively trying to stop me Mm -hmm. um, maybe one person was. 
<laughs> I don't listen. Do you know? <laughs> no shade. You know, like, I know it comes from a place of love. Like, yeah. they just want me to be successful and they want me to, like, do things that I'm going to be safe. Um, you know, because, like, doing this kind of stuff puts you in a spotlight. Mm. And uh, people say terrible things about me and my family. And, like, people, like, I get death threats. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, because I dress the way I dress, like, you want to kill me? Like, that's just weird. You know, what is your life, bro? Like, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I know that when they have criticisms, they're like, you know, we want people to take you seriously. Like, you just got your master's degree you know like let people take you seriously mm-hmm. so you know and you move from to the like top of the mountain because you're like really close friend passed away right yeah so when I was 20 um, actually it was my 24th birthday I uh, up and left my home and uh, moved to northern New Mexico it was the top of a mountain it's called the Lama Foundation and I Lived there for three years, but the day I arrived was my 24th birthday. It was exactly four weeks to the day that my best friend had passed away. One of my best friends had passed away and taken her own life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was just a very challenging time for me in my life because I was at a point where I was like, either I'm gonna like stop living like she did, or I'm gonna start living and I need to make a decision. And uh, I just kind of knew that my life had to change because up until that point, you know, I was kind of like afraid of really being myself, afraid of really living. Um, and and in some ways her death like challenged me um, to live, to really live, you know? Yeah. And what were you doing at the foundation? Um, you know, I worked in the garden, I worked in the kitchen, I helped serve retreats. Like, it's like, you know, you could come up and take a yoga retreat there or take a meditation retreat or like all kinds of different stuff, you know? So I was helping to facilitate the mm. retreats there. How did you find out about it? I was really interested in um, something called permaculture. And they had a permaculture internship um, at that time. And so I was really interested in doing that, but I had already had planned for that summer gigs for um, the, that summer. I was planning on going to Morocco and Spain and um, England, and I already had all these plans, and so I only had three weeks. And so I was like, you know, I can't do the internship, but at least I want to go and check it out. Three weeks turned into six weeks. I went and traveled. <laughs> I came back, and eventually I told my mom, like, hey, I want to move to this mountain. And she's like, no, no, like, you're not moving to the mountain. Like, what are you, stupid? You know, like, we left Syria so you could have, like, a comfortable life. And here you are trying to move to a place where there's no running water, there's no toilets, there's, like, you know, like, what are you doing? You want to live in a dirt house? Like, what is wrong with you? And when she saw it, when she finally came and visited it, she was like, oh yeah, I get it. But you know, basically she was like over my dead body. <clears throat> like in those exact words, that car is awesome. <laughs> that little Toyota van yeah. with those animals sitting inside. <laughs> I love those guys. Uh-huh. What, what careers are your sisters in or brothers? You know, my, my family is really amazing. My siblings are all like really, really intelligent, really articulate, really smart, really successful. Um, they, I have seven siblings and they all do all different things like 
doctor, a lawyer, a PhD, a nurse. Uh, she, you know, my sister is in the film industry here in LA. Oh, wow. and, you know, like tech and business and they're all like very, very successful people and have done well for themselves, you know, and I'm over here like, <laughs> you know, is my check gonna clear? <laughs> kind of like a starving artist, you know? Mm -hmm. But I love it. Yeah. I love what I do and I wouldn't trade it for anything because like, I'm happy, you know? Mm -hmm. What well, was the next step after the work at the foundation? Um, yeah, after the Llama Foundation, my mom, anyway, my mom was like over my dead body, oh. right? And then I was like, I told God, I was like, you got to take care of her. This is really where I'm meant to be. You have to change your mind. And literally I called her and she was like, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I was like, mom, I got into the Llama Foundation. They're going to let me live there. And she was like, okay, so when do you move? So that's just to say that prayer works. <laughs> God changed her mind and I didn't have to like fight with her about it because we'd had like some crying matches and fights over it beforehand. Oh, the shade is nice though. Yeah, it's um, so nice. Anyway, so like I lived there for three years. I, I met my husband there. Oh. He was the first person I met when I got there. And then I met, um, then I met my child who was born from my body. <laughs> um, and he was born there and then uh, we left. We went up to Mendocino County in Northern California. We tried living again off the grid up there. But we realized that living off the grid with no people and a baby is really, really stupid. Um, so we left, we went, to, uh, we went to Michigan actually, to Flint, to help my parents. My father has Parkinson's disease. Mm. And so we were helping him to transition into a new um, lifestyle. Uh, you know, they needed a little bit of help at home, so we were helping to facilitate that. And then we moved to Duxbury, uh, Massachusetts with my mother-in-law. So we went like, we were like family hopping, my family, then my husband's family, my partner, co-parent. Um, and we lived with her for a little bit. That was when we started the Ask a Muslim Project, where, uh, you know, we talked to people on the streets of Massachusetts and it was right after the Paris attacks and the, um, oh. yeah, the San Bernardino uh, shootings and Pulse nightclub stuff. And so that was just like a weird time where we, you know, he had this idea to go out on the streets and uh, we did that for a hot minute. We lived out there and then I applied to graduate school, got into graduate school. You know, like I applied everywhere, Harvard, um, Yale. Um, out here, Berkeley, and I applied to all these different schools and eventually I realized that the one in New York, the school I graduated from called Union Theological Seminary, ultimately had the best program because I wanted to study with uh, very particular people, one of whom was the Reverend Dr. James Cohn, who actually recently just passed away, but I really just realized that liberation theology was what I wanted to study and so I did that for two years, I graduated, got my master's in Christian ethics. Um, it was during my first year of seminary that I was pregnant with my second child and I released my first music video um, and song and uh, I went viral and it was crazy. <laughs> How did, did you even find like producers or your whole team? Yeah, I mean I hit up 
I hit up this guy I knew in Flint, Michigan, uh, Tune Alani Ron, who's an amazing vocalist, uh, performer, musician, artist. I hit him up and I was like, hey, I want to do an album. <laughs> and he was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so we made the first two records and it was super fun. We uh, recorded at a place called Assemble Sound in Detroit and it was amazing. Um, the whole vibe out there is so cool, such a spirit of collaboration. We did that for a hot minute and then, um, you know, he, he felt like he needed to, to work on his own projects and his own stuff, so uh, we didn't do a whole album, we just did two, those two songs. We have co-written other songs at this point, but um, yeah, it was just those two that we did completely together. And uh, since then, you know, I, I worked actually with a, a producer duo out here in LA. Um, and we did an entire EP together called Barbarican. And they're an amazing team, Karan Cole and JV. They, uh, oh, hey, we're back at this beautiful yeah. tree. That's cool. I like that she took us in a circle because I was not paying attention. Um, but they're called Culture Shock Sound. They're a little indie label. And um, I love them. They're just like amazing, beautiful human beings. And uh, we made the EP and uh, the EP is coming out on November 2nd. Nice. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Yeah, same. Actually, how did it click to you to do music all of a sudden? You know, um, it wasn't like all of a sudden. It was sort of like, um, I feel like I've been moving towards that for a really long time. And uh, just recently, uh, about five years ago, I got serious about it where I was just like, okay, I think, like, I think it has to happen now. Um, so something in my heart just like hit me and I was like, you know, if I can do this, I have to. And so I tried and uh, dang, like the first attempt just like kind of blew me away by like the response. Yeah, that do you had. know even how it got out there? Like did you have a PR team back then? I didn't have anybody. <laughs> it was literally just me. Um, posting it on Facebook, posting it on YouTube, and just like responding, you know, for like three weeks after I put the song out, um, I had press like contacting me, hitting me up, like, and I had nobody to help me navigate that, nothing. Um, and eventually it was just like, dang, like, the world is hungry for different kinds of representation, you know, like, I had these ama amazing twins, uh, El Suam from Minneapolis. Iman and Khadija come out and they were in the video and like to see like beautiful young black women dancing and like doing um, their art so beautifully, so proficiently, uh, so expertly um, and then for me kind of like transitioning from poetry into hip hop and just like getting that affirmation from the world that yes this is right, this is what I should be doing right now. Um, you know, it's like just a level of affirmation in the world that like when you're doing what your heart is calling you to do as an artist, you can't miss the mark, you know? Mm -hmm. How did you realize that you wanted to rap compared to like sing? Sorry, I'm just getting over a cold. So, oh. um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a singer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing for the life of me. I mean, I'm trying, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I didn't grow up with music. So, you know, poetry, um, Poetry is like a part of my soul. It's like a po it's like a it's like a part of my my being, my heart. Um, 
So going into getting into hip hop for me, like rap is rhythm and poetry. You know, mm. it's like it's like you you get into it, and then there's like a drum backing you, and it like like that's just a part of me. It's a part of my DNA. You know, and like the 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 impact of hip hop, the like the source of hip hop is so beautiful. It's about like unification, a celebration of like. You know, in spite of oppression, we're gonna turn up, we're gonna enjoy our life, we're gonna have a good time, we're gonna bring our peoples together, um, subverting the systems of oppression like white supremacy and, um, you know, like these, these systems that are intent and hell-bent on keeping us down. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna subvert that and resist that by like creating beautiful art, you know, and like coming together as people. Um, you know, like just thinking about Africa Bambada and the origins of hip hop is just like, yeah, like I'm here for that, you know? <laughs> and like growing up in Flint, that's just, that's just what it was, mm -hmm. you know? And how did you meet the people at WMA? Yeah, <laughs> WMA, so, you know, it just sort of happened. I like knew this person and he put me in touch with them and it was just like, yeah, I like you. I want to work with you all. Yeah, they're a cool team. How would you say your music has changed since the early songs you made? Woo! Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, it's a steep learning curve. I'm constantly learning and growing and being challenged, especially by people I love, to uh, make better art. Ooh! That's <laughs> all in my face. Um, make better art, more relevant, more conscious, more awake. Um, so, you know, I'm just really blessed that I have such amazing people around me who love me and want me to have the best message possible for the world. Um, yeah. How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? Oh, dang. Um, whew. I mean, I think the resounding message is definitely just that, like, you just can't take yourself too seriously. You know, like, narcissism is all the way over. <laughs> like, you know, if you're not here for others and if you don't see yourself in others and others in yourself, like, there's just a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, we're, we're here to be together, to live in a beautiful world that we craft together. And I think one of the major problems of the world in the world is that we're so separate and uh, mm. difference is good difference is necessary um, if the biodiversity of the earth shows us anything is that diversity is necessary and important difference is necessary and important I'm not talking about erasing difference I'm talking about erasing separation mm. the concept that we're separate you know like these trees that we keep walking by they're so beautiful and they, they, they are in some ways separate from the earth but they grow out of the earth their roots are in the earth you know they they occupy space that is in the sky and also in the earth you know yeah but but they are not separate from the earth <laughs> you know yeah and so i feel like for me like we're not separate from the earth we're not separate from each other we're a hundred percent interconnected with everything and everyone at every time every moment um and that's just, 
the more the older I get, the more I I know that and I feel that in my being. Huh. I love that. <laughs> I love these shadows. <laughs> what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Um, <clears throat> my own ego. I mean, I think that's that's the only true challenge that exists for any human being is to discipline that ego and to rein it in and to really just like learn and understand that we are so much more if we would just discipline those base desires and to, to like know that we are so much more beautiful than we can even imagine you know than we can even really understand or comprehend um, because it's not intellectual it's spiritual you know it's like it's a deeper thing so mm -hmm. yeah what does love mean to you? Love? Woo. Uh, what does love mean to me? I mean, love is just like, love, I mean, love, like, what, that's like the whole world, right? <laughs> like, love is the mother of a child, of a baby. Like, I've had two children, you know? So like, love is this, Un, man, unmanageable thing. It will not be stifled. It will not be contained. It's unconditional. Like real love is unconditional. Um, you know, love is this this like ultimate force in the world that is the connecting essence between all of us at, at all times. Um, I don't know. Like, that's a big question I could talk for a million years <laughs> just about what I feel like love is. Love is also discipline, you yeah. know? Like, the, the idea that, oh, you could just do whatever you want whenever you want, you know? Love is, love is, love can be difficult, you know? Love can be, like, strange and, like, why am I falling in love with this person? Like, what is it about this relationship that, that my spirit is being called towards, you know? Um, love is a challenge um, to rise above yourself and above uh, separation. Yeah. Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? Love. <laughs> love, yeah. Um, Generosity, mm. kindness, um, creating bonds of community and togetherness. Um, that's that's what my music is about. That's what my life is about. You know, that's what my whole shit is about. I love this. Thank you so much. Thank this you. So awesome. That was awesome, Lauren. Thank you. I'm real tired though. Oh yeah. That's a long ass walk. Yeah, it was a workout. <laughs>